This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Gone are the days of the FCC under Tom Wheeler, who uh, we interviewed on this show a few months back. Now the agency under the leadership of Ajit Pai, and similar to the approach of President Trump wanting to roll back regulations, Mr. Pai made some moves recently uh, towards the beginning of the month that suggests that net neutrality could be a little bit of a different thing in the near future. Those included stopping nine companies from providing high-speed internet to low-income families and scrapping a proposal to open up the cable box market. So what does the future of net neutrality look like going forward? As we mentioned, Kevin Warbach of the Wharton School joining us here in studio, Associate Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics. And on the phone with us is Christian Hogendorn, who is an Associate Professor of Economics at Wesleyan University up in Connecticut. Kevin, great to see you. Thanks for coming in. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Christian, great to have you back on the phone with us. Thank you. Thank you. All the best. Uh, So does it sound like we're going to see radical changes with net neutrality, Kevin? We're clearly going to see efforts to make radical changes. The Republicans all along have opposed the idea of net neutrality, and in particular, they oppose the reclassification of broadband as a regulated common carrier service, which was done, as you said, under the previous Obama FCC chair, Tom Wheeler. And Ajit Pai, who's now the chairman of the FCC, was one of the Republican commissioners during that whole period Mm. and very strongly dissented from what the FCC did. Um, As well, the leadership in Congress, the Republican leadership in both the House and the Senate, have clearly uh, opposed these net neutrality rules. So there's no question there's going to be an effort to roll them back. The question is, first of all, how they try to do it, and second of all, just how successful they are. Is it, Christian, is it just the regulation that is the concern for the president and and the Republicans right now? Uh, You mean the existing uh, reclassified Title II regulation? Yeah. I think that's what's mainly being put on the table right now. Um, It's not the thing that I'm as much concerned about going forward for the Internet. That would be more... Um, about how the different companies that sort of make up the Internet ecosystem are are able to jockey for position in the coming years. And it's seemingly setting up, isn't it, not a little bit of a a fight between the FCC and some of these kind of watchdog groups that are out there kind of looking and trying to go for the best interest of of what the public should be getting, Kim? Well, net neutrality has been a huge public issue for years. The FCC got, it was either three or four million public comments when they were considering this issue. There's been tremendous uh, grassroots advocacy, as well as all sorts of major corporations, including both the broadband companies, the uh, the incumbent infrastructure providers, as well as Facebook and Google and, and all the, the companies that build on top of the Internet, they've been engaged in this fight for a long time. So yeah. we thought when the FCC made this decision and then just last year it was upheld in court that this was the end of it, that, that, that right. things had been resolved. Now that uh, the door is back open to reconsidering and removing these rules, certainly all these interest groups and all these advocates are jumping back into the fray. The, the moves that Mr. Pye made recently, uh, as I mentioned a couple of them, 
what was your reaction to, to some of those moves? Like, obviously, the cable box market is something that we've talked about here on the show before. And, and it's something that I think a lot of people are are very interested in because they feel to a degree that companies like Comcast or Verizon are kind of, you know, they're kind of sticking it to them with the fees that they have to pay when they have cable and they have to have the cable box. Yeah, when people asked me when uh, Ajit Pai was named the chairman of the FCC, well, who, who is this guy? What is he like? The first thing I always said was, uh, to me, to a, to a progressive, to someone who's uh, more on the Democratic side of these issues, yeah. the scariest thing about him is that he's competent. He actually yeah. understands the issues. <laughs> he understands the agency. He's been there for several years as a commissioner. He was there before in the general counsel's office. He understands uh, the Hill. He used to be a congressional staffer. So unlike so many of the people that we're seeing put into positions of power in the Trump administration, Pai knows how to do what he wants to do, and he understands the complexity of the issues. And that means that he's got more of a chance to be effective. So he didn't waste any time. The net neutrality rule, and I'm sure we'll get into this, it's a lot more complex and challenging to yeah. change given the way the FCC adopted it. But some of these proceedings, they, they wasted no time shutting down, uh, you mentioned the set-top box uh, proceeding. Yeah. They also shut down investigations into so-called zero rating, where providers were exempting services from their data caps, which the FCC was looking into. They, they even, um, there was a pending oral argument before the court about the FCC's efforts to cut down the, the charges for phones in prison, which is a huge civil rights yeah. issue. Yeah. Um, they literally, the week before, the FCC uh, attorney said, we, we've been told we can no longer defend a part of this law, uh, and just said, we're changing our view um, in a, just a quick about face. So, so yes, Pi hasn't wasted any time in um, trying to step back across the board where he can from the more activist, pro-consumer, pro-competition agenda of Chairman Wheeler. Christian, what was your reaction to some of these moves? Yeah, I agree. I agree with that about the you know extreme competence of Pi. I think he is. Um, I think he's you know really able. Um, <clears throat> I do think that a lot of this isn't surprising because a lot of a lot of these things, like particularly the set-top box um, regulation, it was very partisan. You know that didn't yeah. really have broad-based support. And so it's no surprise that that one would, would fall right away. I think when we talk more about some of the, the more basics of network neutrality, like no blocking, for example, yeah. you know, that is less of a partisan issue. Well, let's get into that. And I guess let's start with, you know, people kind of understand a little bit what net neutrality is. But uh, from what we know, what are some of the things that really we need to focus on here going forward? Well, it's still uncertain because nothing has actually been proposed. Right. Um, so we have to see what happens. The first thing um, that I keep telling people is it's not just the FCC. So Congress, anytime they want, can change the rules here. And, and yeah. part of why there's been such a challenge and it's been so, um, uh, so difficult to resolve this issue is that the congressional leadership has been great taking pot shots at anything the FCC does, yeah. but hasn't had a consensus to actually change the law. So um, as Christian mentioned, um, one of the things that the FCC did was this reclassification of broadband. So, so first yeah. question is, does the FCC try to change this fundamental decision that broadband access providers are what are called regulated common carriers, yeah. like uh, telephone companies? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, as Christian said, that's not the whole issue, but that's one part of the issue. The second issue is uh, there are a series of rules under net neutrality. As Christian said, the, the most basic one is don't block stuff that you don't like. Right. Um, but then there's don't discriminate. 
Then there's don't engage in what's called paid prioritization, which is give some providers better quality service, right. the so-called fast lanes. Then there's the zero rating issue that I talk about, which is not uh, changing the speeds, but exempting things from data caps. Um, and there's some other things that the FCC also said they would look at, like interconnection pricing, but not adopt any rules. The real question is, how far do they want to pull things back? Um, because pretty much all the major companies, Comcast, Verizon, the broadband companies, are on record saying they're okay with a no-blocking rule. Yeah. They're okay with some kind of discrimination rule. They may even be okay with a prioritization rule. They just want don't want the agency to have any prospective rulemaking authority to implement it going forward. Christian? Yeah, I think, I think that's right. Uh, and I think what Kevin's saying is, right, there's this kind of hierarchy, and no-blocking is the most basic... Things that have to do with you sitting at your computer with a web browser up, you know, using broadband the way we got used to in 2005 or something, I think yeah. there's, there's a real consensus around how those things should be. And even if the rule, even if there's reclassification or something, I would be surprised if carriers tried to change that, um, if that didn't lead to a lot of criticism, and if that didn't lead to FCC action, you know, even under, even under the Trump administration. And let me ask you this. I mean, when, when you're talking about it being classified as, as a public utility or, you know, like other telecom companies, uh, it, I mean, are, are they truly in that realm in this day and age of of what we know is, is content and, and, and contacting people? Because I, I even thought about, you know, are, are we getting to a point where we, we need to almost have a reclassification of this entire area? We've been at that point for a long time. Yeah. So the underlying issue here is that Congress last rewrote the telecommunications law in 1996. Yeah. And what they decided in 1996 was actually outdated even in 1996. It, it barely mentions the Internet at all, which was yeah. already starting to take off then. And that's part of what's uh, caused the problem here, that there's so much uncertainty uh, about just what uh, the fundamental policies are. And the FCC has had to try to shoehorn things in. So what the FCC did under Chairman Wheeler was classify broadband services as Title II regulated common carriers, but then do what's called forbearing. Basically said, we're not going to apply the vast majority of the rules right. to them um, to try to have what they call a light-touch regulatory regime. Everyone really knows that at some point, the long-term solution is to rewrite the statute and have some provisions actually in the law that are appropriate for the way the world works today, which yeah. also involves raising questions about um, it's not just broadband providers that are fundamental public utilities. At some level, Google is. At some level, Facebook yeah. is. At some level, Amazon is. And I'm not saying all of them need to be regulated as common carriers and their prices set and so forth. Um, but we need to ask these questions that are already getting asked, for example, when the FCC put into place privacy rules for broadband providers. Yeah. So ultimately, that's where this is going. And, and it's a bipartisan consensus. The Republicans and the Democrats in Congress agree we need to re rewrite this law. Um, but given all the partisanship today, we're just not getting there. Well, and I was going to say, if you, you know, if you're going to start having stuff that's involving, as you said, Amazon and Google, that's going to draw quite a reaction from well, those companies as well. That's where you get into the big stuff, right? Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, and, so remember, just going back, Wheeler didn't even want to use Title II. Wheeler actually wanted to do a kind of a hybrid approach, um, and it was due to a court case that he kind of got forced into using Title II. What was the what was the what was the uh, the, the the line that he did want to go? 
Go with Christian. Oh, I need Kevin to remind okay. me what's the section of the code that he would. Well, it's yeah. I mean, the legal issue is it's Title One versus Title Two, and there's right. the provision is Section Seven Hundred Six. So, right, so the, yeah, I mean, the, the basic issue was there are two categories in the law. One is telecommunication services, which is the regulated public utility, yep. and there's a whole bunch of provisions in the law about what happens if you're a telecommunications carrier. Yeah. The other is information services, and there's a definition. And then nothing else. The law literally doesn't say. So that's been the struggle is if you put broadband, which the FCC originally did a decade ago, into information services, yeah. just what does that mean? And um, as Christian said, they tried under this provision about access to advanced communication services, Section 706. Uh, but that's what was uh, the, the way they did it. Not the, the court said they had that basic authority, but the way they did it was improper. So it's kind of a fill in the blank right now. Right. But I think the broader point there is that there's, there's the wires and cables. And, you know, they've been around a long time, back yeah. in the copper wire telephone days. And then there are all these Internet services on, on the layer above. And some of those are just things like sort of, you know, TCP, IP connectivity, you know, some basic Internet connections. And some of them go higher up, like these um, portals to the web, like Google and Facebook and, and that sort of thing. And there's been a debate about where those technology companies fit that goes way back before the internet. It goes all the way back to the 1970s and thinking about IBM, and we've been dancing around... 60s, actually, at the FCC. 60s, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Computer uh, One, yeah, yeah, 1968. Dancing around these issues all these years. So what's happened up to now with network neutrality is I think there's actually been a pretty much of a consensus. Let's just kind of try to not kill the golden goose, keep the internet uh, very innovative, very open, not with some kind of heavy-handed... 1960s type of regulation, um, something much lighter, but just the nudge to make sure that it doesn't get closed down to new innovation. I think that's kind of where we've been um, up until now. 844-942-7866 is the number if you'd like to join in. Christian Hogendorn on the phone with us from Wesleyan University in the studio. Kevin Orbach uh, from the Wharton School. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to bring up with you is some of the commentary, I guess, by Mr. Pye. Uh, and partly I would think this plays right into kind of the partisan nature uh, of uh, of what the FCC may have been in the past, is the fact that I guess he made commentary, about, like many people have, of whether or not the FCC overreached their authority over the course of the, the last few years. In, in your mind, did they, Kevin? Uh, well, I don't think they did, and the yeah. courts reviewing them very skeptically, as yeah. the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals often does, said that they didn't overreach their authority. Yeah. That being said, there there is a big debate here. Um, and so, as you mentioned, it's not just net neutrality. Uh, Chairman Pai has taken a number of steps on other issues to scale back the FCC's enforcement. Yeah. Reportedly, the transition plan that was drafted by the Trump transition team involved taking away almost entirely uh, consumer protection and competition promotion from the FCC's regulatory area. Uh, and basically just giving it back to the Federal Trade Commission. So so there's a larger discussion here, which is, do we need, uh, depending which analogy you want to use, a cop on the beat, a referee, um, Chairman yeah. Wheeler uh, was a great Ohio State football fan, so he likes to talk about the referee <laughs> throwing the flag. I actually saw him on Monday, and he gave the same analogy, and everyone rolled their eyes. But, um, <laughs> uh, but, but there's a big debate about 
can we just say the market will work here and after the fact we'll try and go back and, and fix anything that's broken? Yeah. Or do we need some uh, expert agency looking over these issues? And so net neutrality is kind of the, the leading edge of that wedge, right. but it, it is really a bigger controversy. Christian? Yeah, and, and my concern all along in this has been that I think the back and forth over some you know basic consumer protections, pricing, um, you know, is there sort of too much monopoly power? I think probably our system can hash that out. And even if some kind of authority gets taken away from the FCC, they'll, then there'll be pressure on Congress to act, and something will happen. And, of course, we've seen kind of that 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 issue of monopoly kind of run in, especially in this industry in the last few years with some of the, 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 the deals that have been done with some right. of these companies. But that's the thing. In the meantime, yeah. while all that's happening, these deals will roll on. Right. And the nature of what we get from the Internet and what we expect from the Internet will change. And we may not even be able to fully see it happening, you know, because it, it'll just seem like a natural evolution. It's just what people are doing. So then what do you expect to be? I mean, are we going to see more of these deals go through? And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people have talked about AT&T, Time Warner. You know, I mean, we're going to see more of these types of deals go through in your mind, Christian? Yeah, I think so, because, you know, it's just, it's, it's natural in any business to, to try to look for strategic advantages. Yeah, but there's two kinds of deals. There's the explicit deal in the sense of a merger. Yeah. Uh, and no question, uh, the Trump administration wants to pull back on antitrust enforcement. Sure. Even though candidate Trump said AT&T, Time Warner would won't be, go through. won't go through, yeah. it's too much power. Um, the first time he was asked after the election, he, his first comment was, oh, I don't know the facts. Uh, and so I can't, <laughs> I can't say which way I stand on that, which right. means basically, um, just as in so many other things where he made uh, pro-consumer noises during the campaign, right. he's flipping and uh, the kind of conservative Republican consensus about limited antitrust is going to be the yeah, norm. I don't see any appetite to challenge vertical mergers right. Um, right. between content and infrastructure. I think that can just roll on for a long time. Yeah, and then the second piece is uh, deals in terms of business deals behind the scenes. So yeah. this whole issue of zero rating, uh, you know, is about uh, companies striking agreements with each other. So telling content providers, uh, you can get an exemption from the cap if you do this or pay us that. Right. Um, and you know what the FCC under Wheeler said was. Um, we need to look at the facts. So those deals might be anti-competitive or they might not be. Right. Um, and for example, T-Mobile had this deal um, called Binge On where they uh, made it open to all content providers and consumers could opt out and so forth. <laughs> and there were lots of reasons to think that that actually might be an okay deal. Right. Um, there are other kinds of deals, though, that really seem like they were deliberately anti-competitive. And Christian's absolutely right. If, if there's no oversight of this, then we just don't know, and we don't really know what the internet could have been. Right. Um, and ultimately, it, you know, these things are connected because the answer, the best answer, is really competition, and um, right. and that's what we're going away from if we don't have this pro-competitive regulation and antitrust enforcement. Um, and what's interesting about the the T-Mobile service uh, is. Um, uh, for the longest time, they said, well, we need to have this uh, uh, zero rating program basically um, requiring content providers to not do HD video because it's right. too much of a load on our network. Right. Um, Verizon just came into the market with an unlimited, uh, unlimited package, data, for, yeah. which they had never, which they had, had previously had, then got rid of for the last six years. But then because of competition, yep. they did that uh, about two hours later. 
T-Mobile said, we're now going to include HD video with our binge on program. Uh, we can now have, so that, that's great. That's how the competitive market should work. Right. Um, but uh, sadly, too often it doesn't in this market. Well, and then the concern is for the consumer, as you guys were both saying, is the fact that, you know, most people, I mean, it's part of the reason why I think we have so much cord cutting right now is, you know, the, the, the monthly bills that people are paying through the Comcast and the Verizons and the AT&Ts are, are, you know, continue to go higher. Obviously, part of that is the type of content and the technology. But still, you know, we're, we're getting to a breaking point where a lot of people have said, whoa, enough. I'll, I'll enjoy my Netflix. I'll enjoy my Apple TV and, and I'm fine. And that's all I need. Yeah, we have a broken market, though. So the, the challenge is the answer to that. I think we have a consensus now is not the government should step in and say, we know what a fair price is, and we're going to have a rate-making case and decide that. Right. Um, the answer, again, is to how do you get competitive pressure to push those rates down uh, and to facilitate more choice and options? Uh, and, and ultimately, the more rational way to organize this market is to have a broadband service. Uh, and then you want a content package, you choose from a whole bunch of content packages over right. the top. Because the, the dirty little secret, uh, people hate what they're paying in their cable bills, a huge chunk of that are big content providers, like Disney basically saying, you want ESPN on cable? We right. know you have to have ESPN. You can't have a cable package without ESPN. Here's what you got to charge. Here's what even your customers who don't ever watch ESPN have to pay every month. And you got to take ESPN too. You got to take this other Disney channel and this and that and the other. And it just goes up and up. Uh, and so ultimately, the cable providers, the, the broadband access providers, would much rather get out of that market. Right. Um, but they really haven't been able to do that for a variety of reasons. Well, and actually, even as we speak right now, uh, there's a word coming across that Verizon and Yahoo are apparently pretty close to you know, getting a revised deal where the price is going to be about $300 million lower. So, I mean, it's again, it's a case where... The two sides, even though Yahoo had so many issues with the with the breaches and stuff, they still knew, Verizon did, that there was value there, and we just had to kind of work through it, kind of like you've been saying with the competition. Well, and, it's, you know, that's a, that's another case of building up these bundles, right? The bundles are very, very profitable. Yeah. And so a competitive market pushes firms toward offering these bundles because it's more profitable. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so they are pushed in that direction. Now, right now, we have all these technological changes, so, you know, good old basic cable packages are kind of starting to go away a little bit because of cord cutting and everything, and so they're trying to reassemble those bundles, which makes perfect business sense. Yeah. Kevin? There's, there's, I mean, that, that's exactly what they ought to do from the point of view of, you know, their duty to their shareholders. Yeah, absolutely. There's that dynamic, but also we have this dynamic that we've got all these competing monopolists in communications. Yeah. So you've got the broadband provider where there's limited competition, and once you choose one, they control your pipe. Yep. Um, but then also you've got these content providers who have a near monopoly on certain valuable content. You want to watch Game of Thrones, you got to go to HBO. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the you know, search engine uh, Google with a dominant <laughs> position. You've got Facebook with a dominant position in social networking. Amazon, to some extent, with e-commerce. And, and those things are not inherently illegitimate. Uh, those companies generally got there by competing effectively. Yeah. Um, but it leads to this really kind of complex market where you, you can't just sort of say, well, all right, how would this just sort of look um, if everything were totally open and if there was lots of competition? Um, and so it, you know, it, it's going to evolve. Um, and you know, it doesn't make sense for any, anyone to say, let's stop the flow of basic economics. Yeah. 
Um, but, you know, at some point there needs to be just consideration of what the consumer interest issues are. But, but Kevin, when you talk about about the, the social media element yeah. of it, uh, one of the companies that obviously a lot of people have talked about is Twitter and, yeah. and whether or not they are kind of that next piece in the puzzle to fall. Because, you know, obviously Facebook is has been, you know, become the, the behemoth that it is. And Twitter is still having its issues and whether or not a company would think that, OK, this is that next piece that would be great for us to bring into our fold. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's not just Twitter. There, there is a starting gun that has been fired on the next orgy of consolidation. And yeah. it's hard to know what all the deals are going to be. But I, I can bet you that uh, you know, a lot of our graduates uh, from Wharton at investment <laughs> banks are out there you know, shopping pitch books and, and doing due diligence on deals. Yeah. And, and, you know, some of that is fine. Um, but at some point, more and more and more consolidation, we just we just know um, that that doesn't lead to choice and competition and the yeah. benefits that we get from a well-functioning market. Christian? Yeah, and that, I and for that reason, I mean, I know it, it, it's too late now, but I like the original Wheeler support, uh, Wheeler, Wheeler approach. Before, actually, before the Title II reclassification, I mean, not that I was against that, but, you know, that was kind of forced by the court. But basically the idea of the FCC is there to make sure that as all this stuff plays out, it's a reasonably competitive and, and dynamic and innovative market. And I worry that a completely hands-off approach basically signals, hey, you're allowed to just consolidate, bundle this up, make it into oligopolies, and make money without, without as much innovation. Great to have you both on the show. Thank you, Christian. All the best. Thanks. Thank you, Kevin. Great to see you again. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.